Welcome back to the EMSTED Podcast. This is your host, Dr. Scott Weeders, your EMED coach, with another edition of the EMSTED Podcast. Today we've got a special guest, a fashion expert, if you will. I've got our campus dean from the Dallas campus at Texas A&M University, Dr. Christy Columbus. Dr. Columbus, thank you for joining us on the EMSTED Podcast today. Thank you so much for asking me to participate. You bet. So, Uh, Dr. Columbus gave a great talk to our students last spring on some do's and don'ts of interviews. And and so much of what she had to say were the nonverbal communications, which is just so critical when you want to really nail that interview. And so I've asked her to come on this show to talk about some of those nonverbal style communications, some of the atypical forms of the interview, as well as some fashion do's and don'ts. And so that's going to be the the 10,000-foot view of what you can expect from this episode. So, Dr. Columbus, tell us a little bit more about yourself, your background, and then how you got interested in talking about interviews. (laughs) Well, I am an infectious diseases physician, and I um, have served as the campus dean for the Dallas campus for Texas A&M's College of Medicine. I'm also the DIO for the ACGME residency Um, programs that we have here at Baylor University Medical Center. And um, I used to do interviews for the internal medicine residency program here. So that's kind of the background and how I got interested in the interview process, both um, uh, from the perspective of uh, preparing students for the interview process and then receiving residency applicants for the internal medicine residency. Yeah, so Dr. Columbus doesn't wear hats. She wears like six crowns. Those are huge jobs, and I don't know how she juggles all of it, but she does it so gracefully. So thanks for taking time for us today on the Emstead Podcast. Well, thank you for asking me. All right, well, let's start off real quick here. What, let's say before the interviews, someone's listening to this podcast before the interviews. What, what things should they keep in mind kind of before the interview season begins? Well, there there are a lot of things, I think, to keep in mind. Number one is I think you need to really keep an open mind about uh, where it is you want to interview. And again, just like in um, college and medical school, you will have reaches and you will have targets and you will have your safeties. And so I would keep that in mind, but I would also keep an open mind. Something that you think would be a great program um, may and may not be the best fit for you. And so just keep an open mind as you start to look. Uh, I think the second thing that you need to do is really, really research the programs to which you are planning to apply. And not only on their website, other um, potential sources uh, that you know of, particularly if there are residents from your Uh, medical school that are in certain programs, they will be a wealth of information. So I would absolutely work whatever contacts you might have. Um, I would also potentially just do a search regarding the particular program. If there's anything uh, in the news about any of the affiliated hospitals that are are, um, participating in the program where you would be rotating. Those are great conversation starters as well as you prepare for the interview. I think finally the the last thing I would recommend is be sure that your CV is completely up to date, reflects all relevant information, and most importantly really doesn't have a lot of exaggerations in there. Um, Anything that's on that CV that's uploaded into ERIS is uh, fair game for an interviewer to ask ask you, and you want to be sure that you do not 
you reflect accurately and truthfully and you are not doing any exaggerations in terms of language fluency or special talents or um, uh, research experiences. Well, that's some sage wisdom right there. Um, Good stuff that we all need to keep in mind. So I think the first part of the interview is going to be some sort of a a preview party or night before with the residents or some dinner. So let's talk about that. Tell us about what they can expect at these preview parties. So the preview parties are actually very, very important. The most important thing, though, to keep in mind for a preview party is, though, that it's part of the job interview. So typically, this will be a social event. It will be with the residents. It will be, um, there may and may not be faculty there, but the residents are interviewing you as well, even if there are not actual faculty there. Um, And what they are looking for is, are you pleasant? Do you come across as a team player? Um, are, Are you easy to talk to? Do they think you would fit in with that residency program? Um, what's important for you uh, at the at the preview party is to get an idea about the program from the perspective of the residents and see how you would fit in with that residency group as well. So it serves both parties, but it is still a job interview. So there um, are several things that you need to keep in mind. You need to RSVP, RSVP to it promptly. Um, you uh, need to be sure that um, you can ask questions, but I would not perseverate on certain types of questions that may give uh, the false impression impression of you. You want to come across, again, as positive, flexible team player. Um, yeah, what are some areas that you should maybe avoid at the, the preview party? Let's talk about that. What are some kind of do's and don'ts? Do's and don'ts. Um, Okay, I think you should really have good table manners, brush up on your table etiquette, because a lot of times these are um, dinners, if not, they may just be a cocktail party or uh, or a meet and greet, but a lot of times dinner is involved. You want to be very sure that you have no more than one drink maximum if you... Um, if you do drink, if you don't drink, don't feel like you have to drink, obviously. But if you do drink, this is a time to really watch your alcohol consumption. Um, one of the funny stories that, that I've heard out of residency programs is that if you are asking for call liquor, that is an automatic no-no. So this is not the time <laughs> to be asking for the Glenlivet um, or whatever the vintage uh, Taylor 48 is at the at the preview party. Yeah, I remember we had a we had a preview party uh, a while back. Uh, gosh, I was a resident back then, but one of the poor fellows went out that night and just enjoyed himself too much and ended up taking a guitar out to the back uh, deck and enjoying himself that night. We we went home earlier, my wife and I did, and this person was staying with us just as uh, just to host generosity. And we woke up the next morning, and this person had puked all the way from their bedroom across our hall into our bathroom and not cleaned it up. And wow, I don't know where this person matched, but it was not with our program. When to remember? Absolutely not. <laughs> the other thing to keep in mind is be careful about texting or internet surfing, even at, a, at something that's billed as a casual event. That will be construed as not having interest in the program. So just keep that into keep that to a minimum. I would just probably put my phone away and check only when you know someone is not watching you. So maybe if you excuse yourself and go the to the restroom. But again, the phone being out, texting, um, internet surfing, calling, um, it 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 would be a, an etiquette tip that would be a no no. 
Gotcha. A little emotional intelligence advice there. What what about um, what should you wear to the preview party as opposed to the interview? Should you show up in a three-piece suit? Should you wear your evening gown? What are we looking at here? <laughs> so a lot of times it will the event will specify. And you need to use a little bit of um, judgment here. If the event is specified like as a picnic or a barbecue or something like that, um, you would probably have to dress accordingly um, according to what the event is and the weather and the time of year. Most of the time, though, these are typically held at a restaurant um, or at um, um, sometimes at a private home. And so they may tell you the attire is either business casual or smart casual. Very rarely are they going to say that something is casual. Whoa, 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 whoa. I've, I've got to interrupt you here. I'm sorry. i got to Google this. What is business casual versus smart casual? I'm, I'm kind of fashion stupid. The business casual. Typically, business casual is something that you might wear in an office every day. So this would be like for men, um, business casual would be like khakis or nice slacks. I still would not wear jeans for this. Um, it can be an open collar button down shirt or a polo shirt. I would make sure that most of those or either of those would be nice. You might wear a sweater if it is um, a pullover sweater if it's a, a colder time of year. This is typically not a tie. Um, and then the shoes for men are going to usually be loafers or something similar to that, but not sneakers or tennis shoes or running shoes. Um, for women, business casual, again, it's dressy slacks with a, a dressy blouse or, or a dressy sweater um, or a knee-length skirt, not a mini skirt, um, um, plus a, a dressy blouse or a dressy sweater. So that's kind of your business casual look. It's not something that you would wear going out um, on a date, it wouldn't be something you would wear going out um, to a concert or to a club. It's still a business attire. So the difference between business casual and smart casual, basically, bottom line, you're going to be adding a jacket for both males and females or a blazer. Smart casual for women, you can usually wear a little bit brighter color. You may be able to accessorize a little bit more, but you typically will wear a blazer with your dressy blouse and slacks or a blazer with your dress. Um, typically, this is going to be a closed toe shoe for smart casual for women. Um, business casual for women, you can wear an open toe shoe at the most, but not a sandal. For men, smart casual, again, it would be your business casual uh, basics, but you would add a jacket. Typically, it's not a tie, um, a, but again, it's pretty much the same thing. You can wear probably a little bit more brightly colored or patterned shirt. Um, I would have a button-down or, or a dressier shirt and not a polo for smart casual. Um, again, you would add a sport coat and a blazer. Typically, you do not have a tie with smart casual or business casual. And then dressy slacks or khakis, again, no jeans. Um, and then loafers or um, slip-on type of dressier shoe. That was great. I just got schooled in fashion. Okay. I think I know what smart smart casual is. Apparently, I like smart casual and didn't even know it. That's right. I've seen you dressed personally in smart casual most of the time. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. All right. So um, that's what we wear. What about bringing along significant others, children? Um, what do we do there? So I, I would invite significant others or children 
um, or spouses only if the invitation specifies that a spouse or a significant other or partner is welcome. Children I usually don't bring unless for sure it's specified as a family-friendly event. Um, whether, whether or not you do bring your spouse or significant other or your partner, um, be sure that y'all are on the same page about what you are looking for in a program. Um, you don't want to be telling um, your residents that you're looking for a certain thing and that your spouse is telling the residents or the resident spouse or partners that you're looking for something else. So it's, it's kind of a good idea to, to go over that y'all are on the same page about what you're looking for in a program. Oh, great point. My my wife calls it, you know, the real Dr. Weeder. She she calls it uh, keeping me within pinching distance. So if she can keep me within pinching distance, then she can keep her, her hands on me and make sure I don't ruin the night for her. So that's a good good piece of advice. This is good, or at least you, you need to, it, it is a good idea to um, try to talk to both groups, residents and resident partners, as a couple. Hmm. There you go. Good point. All right, so we've gone to the preview party. We've nailed that because we wore the right thing. We asked the right questions. We were on the same page with our significant others. And now it's the real interview. So let's start off on that. Um, interview day attire. I've got a quick list here. So um, give me your, your kind of overall recommendation on what to wear to the interview, and then I'll ask you a few nuanced questions about some specifics. Okay. So typically what you see... Um, in the professional attire, this is usually very conservative for both men and women. So for um, women's attire, typically um, most places will want you to wear a skirt suit. That's always the safest bet. Um, although I see a lot of residents now with a pantsuit, particularly, you know, if that's more appropriate culturally, or quite frankly, if, you know, the weather is super cold, you don't necessarily need to, to freeze yourself um, in a skirt suit. But skirt suit is the most conservative for women. Uh, and the second choice would be a nice pantsuit. Typically, this is going to be um, uh, wool. It is going to be in a, a conservative cut. Um, and so, and the colors are usually going to be black, charcoal, um, maybe a little bit medium gray, and, and then navy. Um, and that's kind of your go-to type of uh, color palette. You don't want to have a, um, if you have a pattern, it's got to be very, very subtle. Most people just wear a solid color uh, suit. Um, and then a blouse with a modest neckline, very minimal jewelry, very classic jewelry. Um, not a lot of, no dangly earrings. Usually most people will wear like diamond studs or uh, cubic zirconia studs or um, pearl studs. Very simple. Um, and usually just a watch and not a lot of, of uh, bracelets or other jewelry like that. Typically, we'll recommend that you can wear one ring or set of rings per hand. So maybe a, a ring on your right hand and then your wedding ring if you're married on your left hand. Um, typically, women will wear hose. Um, that's not necessary, and more and more I see women not wearing hose, but just keep that in mind that you may want to wear dark-colored hose. I always recommend to the women, though, that or across the board, if you're ever in doubt, go ahead and wear hose. Um, and then uh, a simple closed toe pump, 
but it has to be comfortable because you're going to be walking all over the campus on, on tours, so keep that in mind. For men, typically same type of thing. A dark suit, um, dark charcoal, navy, dark navy, um, black is always okay. Um, again, a very subtle pattern, if at all. Most people, again, wear a solid colored suit. Um, gentleman is more prescriptive. I would do a white shirt and then uh, usually a uh, cravat-style tie or a long tie. Some places, uh, particularly around the country, like in Charleston, you can get away with a bow tie, but most of um, the interviewers that I have talked to recommend that a man wear a, a cravat-style long tie. Gotcha. All right. Are, are there colors to avoid or colors to concentrate on? Again, you know, I would not do anything super trendy. Um, I, the palette of um, navy, charcoal, black for your suit, and then a white shirt for men, a white or ivory uh, uh, solid colored blouse, silk blouse for women. All right, uh, multiple choice, red power tie for men or yellow bridge builder tie? <laughs> I have seen both. You just want it to be able, I would not do anything really shocking because you don't want your interviewer to remember, oh my God, that's the guy with the red tie. It doesn't have to be solid, but I would make it subtle um, and uh, complimentary to your wardrobe, but does not really stand out. What you want to stand out is um, what you say, your demeanor, how you come across, um, your record as opposed to what you wore that really caught their attention and made them remember you because you were, how you were dressed as opposed to how you came across. Yeah, I still remember a guy that I interviewed a few years ago. It was a, a purple metallic sheeny jacket that had green colors and purple colors and blue colors depending on which way the light hit it. And I don't remember this guy's name or his face, but I remember the suit, and not in a good way. It was interesting. If, if it's something you would wear to Mardi Gras, you probably do not want to that wear That was a good thought. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> to your interview yeah. for your residency. Throwing beads at this guy. So um, are there materials to avoid? I would avoid anything, as you mentioned, anything metallic, even if it has just a metallic thread going through it. That's probably not a good idea. Um, it's things that are super shiny, like a satin type of material. I would avoid that um, as well. Something again that's not just completely. If it's not, if it's super eye-catching, it's probably not something you want to wear for a residency interview. Gotcha. Um, for ladies, skirt length. Skirt link on lay. Oh, I'm sorry. Going back to other types of materials, anything that's sequined or studded, you know, even if it's just something subtle on a collar for a women's suit, I wouldn't do that. Obviously, I, you don't need to wear jeans or any sort of denim, and nothing see-through, nothing chiffon or anything like that. Even if you plan to keep your uh, suit jacket on at all times, I, I would be sure that your blouse or your shirt is opaque for both men and women. Um, skirt length for uh, women, typically it is, we say, mid-knee or just right above the knee. Um, just a knee-length type of skirt, no shorter than that. Excellent. Um, what about the handkerchief matching the tie, yes or no? 
I think I think if you're going to use, wear a handkerchief outside your suit jacket, I would make it um, unobtrusive, and I would have it coordinate with your tie. I don't think I would do something that's a, and I would probably make it solid color. I don't think I would do like a really good-looking paisley um, handkerchief or anything like that. Again, I think that is a great look, but for an interview. Um, I, I think that I would forego a brightly patterned kerchief for your for your suit jacket pocket. Okay, uh, next one: belts or suspenders? Belt. All right. Uh, let's talk about shoes for guys. Uh, we're here in Texas. We wear cowboy boots. What do you think oh. of this? <laughs> you know, I I that's a hard one to know. I typically will not recommend that you do that, may, only because your interviewer may not, quote unquote, be originally from Texas. Gotcha. Uh, insider, if you interview with me and you've got on a pair of Lucchese 1883s, mm, ain't nothing better. <laughs> but we can't we can't plan for all interviewees, interviewers feeling the same way. Mm. So I think that that is a very good point. And again, you can generalize and say, oh, I'm interviewing here in Texas, but again, I'm not sure that all the interviewers that came from, even though they might be at your program, they may have come from a, a much more conservative institution where they trained, and they're, what they have in mind may not necessarily mean, um, mean boots. So you cannot go wrong with a good lace-up shoe. No, good point. I, I gave a national talk once and some of the comments at the end. One guy, for some reason, stuck in my mind. He says, lose the boots and the cowboy look. I said, oh, you hurt me. Ouch. Oh. Oh, got me. That's just too personal. So, yeah. But anyway, uh, great advice here. Let's talk about uh, something that kind of bugs me. Facial hair for guys. Should we do the beard? Should we not? Should we partially let it grow in? The only mustache? What are we looking at here? How, I think it depends on how you usually wear it and how it is, um, how you're represented in your heiress photo. Um, and so most of the time I'll recommend that someone be clean shaven or if they usually wear a beard and mustache, have it super well groomed. I don't think you, ha if you normally wear a beard, I don't think you have to shave it. I think the thing you want to avoid though is scruffy. And so, you know, if you're growing out a beard, at the time you interview, shave it and grow it out after interview season. But, but scruffy seems to be kind of cool right now, isn't it? I mean, I'm not, but I just people that are tell me that that's the cool I look. think you can save that for smart casual once you've been hired into the residency <laughs> program. Casual, I, love uh, I love it. Yeah, I think, you know, rock the beard if you've got it. Hey, believe me, I can't grow one, so I, I envy that. I live vicariously through many a man's beards. But, but grow it out, have it done, have it ready. Or else, if you're like me and can't do it, don't try. Don't try. Just shave it off. I think that that is good um, advice. Gotcha. Let's talk about ladies' hair. Should we curl it, put it up, lay it down? Um, should we poof it up like we did back in the 80s? What are we looking for? Um, I think you want a fairly conservative style. It can be worn either uh, uh, back in a ponytail. Um, and if you wear it up, I think that's fine. A nice chignon is always very nice. Um, or if you normally wear it down, wear it down. Just keep it off the face and no, not a whole lot of um, product in it. You don't want to go for the big hair look. <laughs> the 80s Texas big hair look. Right. No, no bouffants. No bouffants. What about uh, bows, ribbons, clips? Um, good question. 
again, you want to be extremely conservative. And so if you typically wear your hair down, but it, it falls in your face, I would use a very subtle, um, high-quality metallic or um, tortoiseshell clip. Again, very subtle, blends with your hair color. Um, no bow. Um, and then if you want to wear it pulled back, again, you can use a very subtle hair accessory, but again, nothing that's super eye-catching, no, nothing that has feathers or um, um, sequins or uh, any metal studs at all. Gotcha. I heard you making some comments about the hands, and how many rings should a dude wear on one hand? I think um, just one one ring per hand. You know, unless Pinky ring? Uh, two rings total. One ring on each hand, I guess an exception for women would be an engagement ring and a wedding ring if they wear those two together on the same finger. But I would probably have no more than one finger on each hand adorned with a ring. Gotcha. Uh, the pinky ring, acceptable or not? I think a pinky ring is acceptable. Okay. Again, though, you All don't right. want it to be such a gigantic pinky ring that it... Um, draws attention to itself. Okay. What about uh, number of earrings? Oh, that's always a good one, too. Typically, I will say um, only one pair of earrings uh, on the person. If you have multiple piercings, just remove all except um, one piercing in your lobe and then just for a simple stud earring. Typically, for gentlemen, um, you'll want to re remove any piercings. Okay, what about other body piercings? This is now more culturally acceptable, and, and what do you think about these? Um, you know, I have seen uh, some very small nose piercings that are um, uh, culturally appropriate. I think those are fine. Um, I think large piercings um, or those that um, are very showy, uh, are, I would take those out. Okay. All right. I mean, I think we have covered the entire body. What else have I left out here, Dr. Columbus? Um, the only other thing I might mention is uh, for the gentleman, I know that crazy socks are extremely popular <laughs> right now and very and I think those are a very key part to the smart casual look but again for the actual interview I think I would avoid the crazy socks and just do uh, a tonal sock solid color that uh, matches your suit one of my medical student friends told me a story that they were interviewing this this last fall and one of their other colleagues were was interviewing with them and they looked down, they said, oh, wow, those are some really interesting piano socks. And I said, you must play piano. How long have you played? And the guy said, I don't, I don't play piano. <laughs> and the whole room kind of looked at this guy just like, what in the world are you doing wearing piano socks and not playing the piano? So uh, you better be able to back up the sock, I guess, is the advice That's there. That's right. The sock is an extension of the CV, potentially. <laughs> okay. All right, let's get into the actual interview day. And I really want to focus on some of the nonverbal cues. So let's talk about some of the etiquette tips for interview day. Okay. Um, so I think some of the things that, uh, in terms of nonverbal cues, several things. Um, when you are there uh, at the opening part of the interview, there typically is a presentation in which 
either the residents or the faculty or the program director will go over the program, just give an overview of the program. Typically it involves PowerPoints. Um, it's usually fairly informal. You have to pay attention to that. If you are doing anything other than appearing interested, um, other people are watching your level of interest in that overview. So I think it's very important to appear interested in that overview. It's a good idea to take notes. If you take notes, take it though on paper and pen as opposed to taking notes on your laptop or your iPad or your iPhone because that's too easily construed as texting or surfing the internet. So that's my word to the wise in terms of note taking about the program. Typically they will give you a packet that describes the program and includes most of the information in the overview. So pay attention during that. Um, obviously again, no texting, no internet surfing, no phone calls. You are not checking your phone. It's on silent. The only time you check your phone is if you are excused or if you excuse yourself and you go to the restroom. Um, other etiquette tips, um, again, you want to smile, you want to be aware of your posture, you do not want to be slumped, you don't want to have your arms folded, you don't want to be um, um, so far back in your chair that you are feigning disinterest, you want to be sitting upright to slightly forward, you want to be listening intently, you want to be maintaining eye contact with whomever is speaking. Um, and when you actually get into the interview process, all of those things plus uh, a nice smile and a firm handshake. Well, I, I can't say enough about the firm handshake and smile. I mean, there's just something that really sets off that first impression. I mean, the psychology of first impressions is pretty powerful, and that begins with good eye contact, a warm, genuine smile, and a firm handshake. Absolutely. Let's see here. Yeah, how far back should we be on the desk? Uh, I, I know some people are, one of our chairmen, he, he really can't stand it when people kind of get onto his desk and lean on his desk and start pushing away his stuff and putting drinks on the desk and things like that. Then you can also be the disinterested slumping in the corner with your feet back and legs crossed type of a, a posture. Talk to us a little more about that. Okay, so... The, the, good point. The desk is, is the interviewer's territory, and you are not to touch the desk, nor rearrange anything on the desk, nor put a drink on the desk. You sit in your chair. Typically, we will have um, gentlemen will sit, again, upright to slightly forward posture, and usually just hands in lap. Um, women usually will sit the same way, except they will cross their ankles, and hands usually in lap. I have had some people... Um, gesture to make a point with their, uh, if, if they typically do that, gesture with their hands, I think that's fine, but I would not overdo it and not be overly expansive with your hands in terms of explaining yourself or your gestures. Okay, so take your hands out of your pocket, use them a little bit, but we're not talking about jazz hands or anything like that. Huh? We're not talking about jazz hands or Broadway show hands or anything like that. Gotcha, gotcha. Got to Goldilocks this. Uh, what about bringing along uh, examples of your research and talents. Some people might have woodworking or maybe uh, YouTube or sing. Um, you know, should you bring along your jazz flute to your interview? I don't think I would um, 
bring those along. A lot of times I've noticed that that's getting very popular for college is, you know, bring an example of your artwork or something like that to your college interview. I don't recommend that for your residency interview. At most, I would bring in your folio uh, another copy of your CV that describes um, primarily your research interests, your leadership opportunities, and some of your hobbies. Um, or, or interests. Again, though, you want them to ask you about that. You don't know, I, I don't know that you want to go in and lead that part of the narrative again because you don't want them to remember that's the guy with the jazz flute. <laughs> Although I do appreciate a good jazz flute. Um, yeah, I think it's cool when people talk about, hey, I'm into photography. You say, oh, well, Tell me about that. And you say, well, I've actually got some pictures here on my phone. Here's some stuff for a trip we took to Yosemite maybe or something. Or maybe you're into woodworking. You've got that. Or maybe you're a gifted musician. You got stuff on YouTube. So those are things that, that I might look out afterwards if someone's brought that up to me. Um, so I, I, I think it's appropriate. And maybe, if, again, you don't want to lead with those things, but have them available if someone asks. Um, I don't think we've got a piano in our residency interview spot yet to play, but that would be really fun. All right, let's move on here. We've got uh, other potential questions that might be asked to inter interview. How much do we rehearse these softball questions, and how much do we kind of play it off the cuff? I think for the softball questions, you can probably play it off the cuff. The things that I think, though, you do need to rehearse would be anything that's problematic in your record. Um, if your, you know, academic record the first year was not spectacular or if your step one score was relatively low, you need to have an answer for what, why that was. And it's perfectly reasonable and understandable to say that, you know, I had trouble adjusting from college to medical school and that was reflected in my first couple of courses. Typically what, what a residency program is going to want to see is continued improvement across the four years. But that is something that I would prepare a plausible and truthful answer about and rehearse. Same thing if there's anything problematic in your background um, in terms of um, something they would discover on a background check. And so there is a section in ERIS where you are supposed to um, uh, disclose any uh, types of arrests or something like that. Again, you want to be truthful, but if that's problematic, you want to be able to, uh, to have rehearsed that answer so that you are not um, taken off guard by it and trying to make something up um, as you go along. Now, some of the programs are doing what's called maybe behavioral interviews. Um, what Tell us about what we might expect for that. What's the background? What is this all about? So a lot of times with the behavioral interview, and more and more programs are, are looking into that, what they are looking for is to see how you would react in particular scenarios. And so a lot of times what they are trying to come up with are um, uh, trying to assess your professionalism. They are trying to potentially uh, assess your ethical um, uh, sensitivities. Um, they want to see that you're a patient advocate. And they may want to see that you're a team player. And so these behavioral interviews can run the gamut um, from a question would be, tell me about a time you disagreed with a supervisor and how you handled it. 
And so these are these are behavioral interview types of questions that are have class, classically been asked in the corporate world that they're leaking over now into residency programs. Um, other types of questions describe a difficult time in your life and how you dealt with it. Um, what kind of patient do you find it most difficult to relate to? These types, so, so think about these types of questions and um, be able to be fairly clear on how you feel about these things and how you would respond. Yeah, I always coach students to, to find some stories and think about them, unpack those stories, and kind of reverse the tables a little bit. So these questions are dealing with character qualities of perseverance, um, assessing teamwork, assessing ability to overcome obstacles, maybe courage, maybe you know virtue. And so I, I encourage students to think of situations when you have had disagreement. Think of those difficult patients. Think of overcoming obstacles. Think of the barriers and find those stories and think about them as they can really apply to a lot of these questions. Yes, absolutely. Let's see here. Um, what about emotional intelligence? Is that what we're getting at here? Yes, it's very, very much a, a concept of emotional intelligence. And it's basically um, they're asking, would I want this person to take care of my family? And I think if you can ask the same thing of yourself, would this, this be the kind of response I would want to hear in someone who is taking care of my family? That is, you know, probably your, your pole star in terms of um, in terms of preparing for the interview. Um, yeah, there are some people out there that are working on uh, projects and coaching about improving your emotional intelligence, improving your charisma. Uh, these are probably not fixed variables, and they are things that can be worked upon. We, we should have an episode coming out soon with one of our uh, College of Medicine colleagues who's training students in those areas, so that might be a future episode to, to look forward to. Um, what else about maybe some problematic questions? I mean, people are going to really stick you with some problematic questions. Tell me more about what those might look like and, and how to address them. Sure. Problematic questions, again, are the ones where I think you need to primarily um, – rehearse what you are going to say. So these would be if you've had a prolonged leave of absence, um, if your academic record is uh, not stellar, if you failed a class, if you've had to repeat a class, if you've had to repeat a year, um, if you have low NBME scores or USMLE scores. And so again, you want to prepare an answer that's, that is honest and cogent. Um, and um, speaks to and addresses what the issue was, but I would not perseverate on it. And so again, using the scenario that um, you may have had some problematic grades the first few courses in medical school, it is entirely plausible and appropriate to say that I had some time management issues um, as I transitioned from college to medical school because of the volume of, and amount of material. And once I was able to manage my time, you can see on my transcript that my grades improved substantially. So you don't want to really perseverate on it. You want to acknowledge it. You want to um, briefly describe how you addressed it. And then you want to emphasize how you did going forward. Very good. So. We've dressed right for the interview. We've done all the nonverbal communication techniques you've talked about. 
What do we do after the interview? Let's talk about that time. Sure. So I I think that most programs are discouraging second looks just because of the time and the expense that's associated with that. The one thing I do recommend that you do, unless you're specifically asked not to, is write a thank you note. And write a thank you note for uh, to the program director and to the program coordinator. That is extra points. It needs to be handwritten. It needs to be on nice conservative stationery. So this is when you you know order something online from Crane, um, and it doesn't need to be wild colors. Again, cream or uh, acru or white. Um, you want to mention what a pleasure it was to meet with the person. If you have a specific interview aspect of the interview, you want to mention it. I particularly enjoyed uh, talking with you about some aspect of the program. You want to express appreciation uh, to the faculty or the resident or uh, the uh, coordinator that took time to either look over your application or actually did the interview. I would close with saying I hope to have the opportunity to work with you. And I would write the thank you note on the way, as soon as you get back or on the plane ride back from the interview so that the interview is very fresh in your mind. The other thing that I would do um, in addition to the thank you note, and this is for your personal development only, is again, if you're, even if you're not a big journaler, keep some sort of a little journal that do, to jot down specific aspects of each program you go to and do that on the ride back on the plane or as soon as you get back from the program, just so you can keep all these programs straight. So is this the time you should write a love letter proclaiming your dedication and, and proposal to the, uh, the program where you get done on one knee? Probably not in the thank you note. I would say <laughs> okay. that um, I, I would. I'm very interested in your program and hope to have the opportunity to work with you. Um, so show some restraint. But well, yes, with some restraint. Gotcha. Uh, singing telegrams probably not a good move. Probably not. Okay. All right. Uh, I, we, we've seen some classy things before. One that sticks out in my mind is we had a student that uh, sent a very classy letter, just as you've described, on very high quality stationary and this student actually used a a ring seal of wax with his uh, last name initial on the back it was a subtle piece and a touch but it was really well done and, and kind of stood out and, and knowing this person it uh, really dovetailed well with their personality uh, we've had we've had someone print out a, th a thank you card on EKG paper which was an interesting move for emergency medicine high risk high reward it worked out well for this person but just kind of interesting um, and then we had another student that came in with a a, a picture of a tree and wrote a poem and this person was in a rankable spot but after reading that it, it just kind of wigged a few of us out and so this person went down pretty far so yeah it may not win a lot of points with that thank you letter but you can certainly ruin it if you go too far and too out there and, and get too crazy so not the time to be unique just like a lot of these things you don't want to be memorable in those ways right again this is um, conservative professional environment Dr. Columbus, thank you for stopping by the EM Stud podcast today. We really appreciate your expertise, and I think the students will be well served by taking your advice and interview well. Thank you so much for having me, and good luck to all the applicants. Well, all right, EM Studs, we hope that helps you accomplish your goals of matching in this interview season. 
On behalf of my colleague, ER Dr. Nate, this is your EMED coach, Dr. Scott Weider, signing off for another edition of the EM Stud Podcast. For more information about our organization, please go to www.cdemcurriculum.com. You can also access past episodes of the EM Stud Podcast at our home site, www.emstud.com. Until our next episode, rotate well, my friends. Also, special thanks to the wonderful cover of Timberlake's Suit and Tie, made free open access today by artist Honey Pea.